So as you come across different tasks or requirements or whatever it is that you meet on your daily job, you know how to apply and try to figure out what situation are we in here. And then, okay, this is probably the right technology to go with, but we still need to polish things a bit and adjust it a bit before it becomes that thing that we are looking for at this point in time. Hello and welcome to the Cisco Learning Network podcast. That was Mark Holm, CCDE Exam Program Manager. In this episode, we continue to bring you the discussion Community Manager Matt Saunders had with Mark, Principal Engineer David Penulosa. I think one of the key things about D is that you would have to be constant. You would have to have a discipline. You would have to be prepared to be wrong. You need to have an open mind and you need to welcome all sorts of ideas and opinions. It's all about being a sponge. As much as you can absorb rather than what you can release, you will get from the D much more than you get into it. And senior network architect, Daniel Dibb. You know, I was hitting the finish button to do the grading and, you know, I was like 99% certain I had failed the exam. So, I mean, it's a tough exam. You're going to feel a bit roughed up even if you end up passing the exam. Don't give up on a scenario just because you think you're doing poorly because maybe you are picking a lot more correct answers than you realize. These three experts continue to provide insight into their own experiences with the CCDE. And Mark Holm provides a lot of information about what has changed with this new version of the CCDE. If you haven't already listened to the first part of this conversation, which is the previous episode of this podcast, we highly recommend you do so. To continue this conversation, David reflects on the times he has had throughout his career in which he's been able to use his experience taking the CCDE exam and apply it to how he works with clients. It is common to hear the phrase of start with the end in mind. So it's always about where do you want to be in the next three, five or seven years? And then you try then to propose a design that would address their current requirements, but also would prepare their network to handle anything or at least to a sizable amount, whatever comes after. If they are aiming to move to the public cloud, if they are aiming to expose some services to the internet, then you need to make sure that you would include all the details that would require this service in the future for now. So you can steer them in that direction slowly. It's not that you're gonna implement everything right now, but at least you're gonna get them ready from where that comes. Yeah, but by having that kind of connection with the CXO level, which you often have, you can put the seed in the ground and let it grow a bit. And then they will see, okay, it might from a financial perspective or from a business perspective, it might make sense. Even though it might have a little higher cost than we kind of expected, it actually makes sense to take that investment now rather than in five years, simply because it will allow us to quickly adapt to new technologies or whatever comes in the future. Because sometimes even as a business owner, you don't know what's going to happen in three to five years. You might get disrupted. So you have to quickly figure out how do we address a change in the market or how do we address something that is out of your control so you don't lose your business because of a slow and non-agile network design. So you simply have to account for that as as much kind as you can. But yeah, it's not an easy job, neither to be on business owner side, but also not on the network designer and the network architect side. If they don't know what they want to do, it's very hard for you to figure out what they want to do and try to accommodate for everything. But that's what we do. And we 
as a human being, we only do the best we can. We try our best every day, regardless of we're CCD people or we are just uh, the barista down at the coffee shop on the corner. We just try to do whatever we can to do our best. Thank you guys for all of that insight and feedback on the background of things and the background of network design and the thought process of CCDE and sharing your journeys a bit through there as well. And we may have talked about this a little bit already in some of this, but just to kind of summarize, why? Why the CCDE? Why is it important? I'm a very curious person and I love to know the reason behind things. Actually, when I was a kid, my mom gave me a book called the why of the things that was exactly the name in spanish of course she was getting pissed because i was always asking why after she was saying something <laughs> continue <laughs> moving forward that developed into who i am i love to be curious and knowing why things are made that way and what triggered them what caused them at least uh, made it attractive for me yeah i would agree with david as well it's just nice to not only understand things from a detailed level but you know taking that ten thousand foot view and understanding how all of the pieces fit together from a job security perspective as well there would always be a need like mark mentioned to translate between business and technology so it's kind of a timeless skill that's something that you should consider as well if you're interested in the d this is really something you can carry with you for probably the rest of your career so when he said that would agree with me, I thought he also had the same book. <laughs> yeah, probably because, you know, when I was a kid, I was picking apart radios and, and stuff like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Well, yeah, we all know that if you want to learn how things work, you have to take it apart, see what's inside the box. And I think the curiosity is a key thing here. You have to be curious from a DE perspective, also on a daily basis, but especially from a DE perspective, has to be curious as to how can a technology solve different problems to kind of build that mental map or mental matrix of, okay, this technology here, it does these kinds of things and it can help in these kinds of cases. So as you come across different tasks or requirements or whatever it is that you meet on your daily job, you know how to apply and try to figure out what situation are we in here. And then, okay, this is probably the right technology to go with, but we still need to polish things a bit and adjust it a bit before it becomes that thing that we are looking for at this point in time. So curiosity, but I also think it's a lot of people, often this is some based on the actual feedback that we've gotten is, is often like you see people having a CCAE for at least working on a CCAE level for many years. At some point, they want to get away from that operational aspect of things and don't deal with calls at 3am in the morning and having to deal with all kinds of daily issues that occur in a network that take that 10,000 foot view of everything and try to become the architect. So often we see people after those period of time, they transition from the engineer network, traditional network engineer role to that design slash architect role. Probably that's why we see a lot of the people that do have the CCD certification also have an IE certification. But that said, it is definitely not a requirement to have an IE certification to be able to take the DE because they are completely independent. But I think what often makes it IE worth to consider as well, or at least give value to the DE process, is that ability to work on hands-on with things and get to know what works and what doesn't work and then how do I, I avoid weird stuff from happening in the network. And when you know what kind of things to avoid and what happens when you do this, you also know when you have to design things, okay, so we definitely don't want to go down that route because that is a recipe for disaster. If I have to give my take on it, it will be curiosity and, and how to learn to work within the restrictions that you have. 
So, Mark, we've been talking about DE, YDE, but what makes it so important and all that stuff? So, why would we consider DE? Now, let's talk about what we have now, DE version 2, and what's going to happen with version 3. Which are these differences? Because many of us know the current DE. Oh, that has been one of my, I would say, guilty pleasures. But then, <laughs> what's going to happen in version 3 then? The third version of the CCDE actually was just released in November 2021. Just to provide a quick overview before Mark gives you more details, the CCDE includes two exams. The first is a qualifying exam that covers core technologies and competencies required by every network designer. The second exam is a nine-hour practical exam that covers designing and architecting enterprise networking solutions by analyzing business requirements and technical requirements, and then making design decisions based on many factors, such as resiliency or cost. Well, one of the biggest changes is that, first of all, we'll be moving the exam in-house. So once you schedule your practical exam, it will no longer be taken within the Pearson View that those who've tried the version two practical exam, they know it's taking place at Pearson View professional centers. But with the version three, so going live on November 2nd, you will be taking the exam in the same locations that you would take your CSA lab exams. So that means going to, in the US, it's going to be Richardson, in Europe, it's probably going to be Brussels, and we have Tokyo, we have Sydney, we have all the other places where we do have the CSA brick and mortar labs. To begin with, it's only going to be offered in the brick and mortar labs, but we definitely plan to add it to the mobile labs as well. So you can take your CCD practical exam as a mobile lab event, like you would with one of the other CSA mobile lab events. The big thing we're changing is building in what we call the area of expertise. One of the things that people were not necessarily complaining about, but kind of commenting on with version two at the current version is that it's too broad. We don't know what to study for. There's so many things we need to know. And people today, they took their eye and they work with routing and switching, but now they're working data center. So they kind of moved away from the enterprise segment and moving to that data center. And now they no longer work within the field they originally took. So for the area of expertise modules that we're putting in is allow you to select when you go and take your exam on the day of your exam, You'll go in and the first thing you'll need is a simple drop down to tell you which area of expertise do you want. And that will affect the exam, not necessarily all the way through, because it will only affect one of the scenarios that you will be faced with doing your exam. But that exam is going to be focused on these specific technologies and features that you'll find in that specific and to begin with, we are having what we call large-scale networks, which is in many cases probably going to be service provider topologies. We have the workforce mobility, which is a lot of wireless on top of standard stuff that you would find in, in the regular DE. And finally, we have the on-prem and cloud services air expertise module, which is essentially data center and cloud. It doesn't mean that you cannot bounce into some of these technologies of touch these technologies with outside that area of expertise, but we are going to drill down even more onto your knowledge about designs for those area of expertise specific technologies. The remaining three scenarios, because the structure of the exam is still going to be four exams or four scenarios, three of them is going to be what we call core, which is something that we expect everybody to know. That is going to be focused on enterprise networks in different shapes and forms, but enterprise technology. So that means it's going to be a bit of layer two, layer three. There's going to be some security design. There's going to be some wireless. And there's going to be some, what is new for the DE version three is that we now have an explicit task talking about business strategy design. So that means that you're guaranteed to have some questions on making 
decisions that are based on business requirements or making adjustment to the design to support changes in what the business want to do. That is a certain that you will have these type of questions. In the current V2, we don't have it explicitly called out, so you might see it or you might not see it. It might be pure technical decisions, but you can bet on here, you'll have some decisions that will have to be made out of the business side of things as well. And going back to that, as mentioned before about the exam being too broad, what we're doing here is we will, and we actually have already published what we call technology lists. That further scopes the technologies that you can meet within the exam. So that means in the core section, there's a finite set of technologies that is kind of allowed on the exam. So when we have content developed, it will be around some or probably not all because it's a long list, but at least some of the technologies in there you will be faced with doing your exam. And that core technology list is what applies to the CCD written and for those three out of the four scenarios for the CCD practical. So at a bare minimum, you need to know if you want to take the CCD written, you need to familiarize yourself with what you call the core technology list. Of course, you also need to work with the exam topics, but I'll get back to those in a few minutes. But we also have for all of the other Arab expertise modules, you also find a technology list that is suited for each of them. So if you are going to take the CCD practical exam and you have set your mind on taking, let's say, the large-scale networks area of expertise module. Well, then you load up that document, the technology list for that area of expertise, this large-scale networks, and you look at that in conjunction with the core technology list. And then you have the technologies you need to know in total to be able to pass the exam. Because even in the area of expertise module, there's still a chance that you might be met with some challenges around some of the technologies that are in the core technology list. It's not a given that any single technology in your Arabic expertise will be around the technology specifically mentioned in the Arabic expertise technology list. But of course, the main focus will be there and, and the majority of focus will be within the technologies there because otherwise it would just be another core scenario. So it's, you essentially need to look at at least two documents if you want to tackle the technologies that you'll be faced with. Those are those two technologies you'll need to look at. To find the documents Mark mentioned, the core technology list, and then those other specific technology lists, please visit the Cisco Learning Network at www.ciscolearningnetwork.com. There, you can select the first certifications drop-down menu, find the CCDE section, and then go to the Additional Resources tab. There, you can find all of these documents available to you in PDF format. You can also find training videos and discussion threads in this section of the Cisco Learning Network that deal specifically with the CCDE certification. Looking at the exam topics, we have, of course, a new blueprint or exam topics, as we call it. But new for this compared to version 2 is that it is now a unified exam topics document, so it is the same document used across both the written and the practical. With version two, we have one set of blueprint for the written exam and another set for the practical exam. But now we're using the same document. So hopefully it makes it easier for you to figure out what you need to study for. It allows us to streamline what we do across the written and the practical exam. The chances are it will not feel disconnected. So hopefully we will see that the practical exam will kind of be in like an extension of the written exam in terms of how you will be ask questions and the type of questions you will be asked. Those are definitely the targets of what we try to do with version three. And, and also, there's also to align it with the current CCIE exams, which also have a, what we call a unified exam topics for each of the uh, CCIE tracks. Well, that's a lot of stuff, honestly. It was always a thing that you would be worried about, that some topics were covered and written, some others would be covered in the practical. 
And also when you get to take the practical, you will be told, and this is a thing with the candidates and when we were talking about the exam is, so what am I supposed to do? And the answer is everything. So, <laughs> so it was as wide as it <laughs> yeah, could yeah. be. Yeah, this is definitely one of the things we want to avoid. We want to be more clear about what you need to study and how you basically need to study. We won't tell you how to do it, but we'll tell you these are technologies you can be faced with. That is what is in technology list documents. And you can see the blueprint or the exam topics as what or how do you work with these technologies and how should you work with these technologies. That is what the blueprint or exam topics essentially covers is that aspect of things. We want to make it easier and we want to make it narrow the scope a bit more. And don't worry, it's not like we're going to sneak in new technologies here and there. If we are going to add new technologies or new air of expertise modules, it will follow the same process. We're going to have more regular refresh because truth to be told, the current CCDV2 is kind of like an, an old timer these days. I think it was last updated back in 2013. We want to be a little more agile in how we update it. So we're probably going to revisit it more often maybe once a year or something around that and look at, is there anything we need to change based on trending technologies or what happens in the market and things like that? And then try to figure out, is it due for an update to add a new area of expertise module? Because now we have something that is super hot and everybody's talking about it. So it's relevant to do, but it's all about being agile. That is probably the main thing about it and make it easier for people to study for. I personally don't accept the, you need to know everything answer. That you, like you mentioned before, David, because nobody knows everything. You, know, you need to focus in. And that's also why we kind of split out that area of expertise in the core, because as of today, we need to be faced with enterprise and service provider technologies. And for some, that is awesome. And people love to have the service provider scenarios, but others have never been working with service providers or working in detail with some of the technologies found there, they are at a loss. So what we're doing here is essentially make it something that is enterprise that like a common ground that everybody has, and then you can influence what you will face in the exam by choosing that area of expertise that you prefer. Each time you said area of expertise, I see Daniel just jumping there. And there. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to, to raise something with you, Mark, because, you know, sometimes we have people that they do network design, but maybe they like specialize in security or they're specialized in wireless and they'll be like, but why isn't there a CCDE security or a CCDE wireless? So maybe it would be good to kind of discuss why we won't do like five different tracks for the CCDE. So... It kind of relates to the area of expertise here as well. It does. And if you were to create tracks, I would have to find a way to clone myself into X number of myself because I would need to be one for each of the tracks we would create. But the purpose of this was not to create new tracks. It was to create that certification that is seen as a broad exam that can cover a bit of everything and not be an expert in a very specific topic because as a network designer, you will be expected to know a little bit about everything. You probably know from your daily job that somebody comes through data center questions at you. How do we design this part in the data center? And five minutes later, you have to deal with how to build a branch design for a bank. And you just have to be able to know a little bit about everything. So that's what we're trying to do with the DE. And essentially the feedback we have from people who've taken the current version of the CCD is that the exam structure is very good and what they test is good, but they would just like to have a little more influence on what to do and what they can face during the exam. Because as I mentioned before, sometimes you started out in one area of you're working with the difference. So if you're being thrown with a service provider scenario in your exam and it's 15 years since you've touched the service provider environment, again, you're at a loss. 
By doing these area of expertise and only having one of the modules, let's say we would add, so it would be half of the exam that we would do. We decided that was the right way to go. Then likely we would have to do this split and then build up new tracks because you can argue that if two persons take the exam, like Daniel, you take the exam and David, you take the exam and you choose two different area of expertise, then you can argue, is it going to be the same exam? Is it going to be the same certification that you achieve because you gained it for very different approaches and very different technologies and it were tested on different topics. So by doing this and only changing one, we still allow it to be one general certification that is still an expert level, but not drilling down into every single thing. Because again, you can't know everything. So you can't be an expert in designing data center networks, service provider networks, wireless networks. That's why you have subject matter experts. If your work is within the wireless domain, you probably want to take that workforce mobility expertise because that is aligned with what you do today. And then, of course, we do expect you to know the core stuff. That is a given. Can't pass the exam without expert level knowledge about every topic in the core section of the exam, of course. It was never the intention to create additional tracks and split it out because it would just require too much work. Whether that could happen in the future, well, time will tell. We'll, we'll have to see because now we're taking this step to be a little more modularized and how you can take the exam it influences on it yourself. But nobody knows what the future brings. It's nothing that we have discussing or that are discussing at the moment to build out separate tracks. But if it picks up and then we have a lot of volume and then people are super happy about this area of expertise concept that we added, then we might see version four or whatever version is going to be. We might see that it makes sense to do something like that, maybe split it into tracks, but it is not the intention and never was the intention to do it for those reasons, simply because we want to keep one track that is broadly known across the industry as kind of like if you were a CCDE, you know these things and you have these skill sets. So we would have to be explaining more to the community and hiring managers and recruiting agencies. Okay, what is the difference between a CCDE enterprise and a CCDE service provider? It just didn't make sense and don't make sense at the point in time to do it. And we wanted to carry on all the good stuff that we have in version two and just add that little bit of flavor to it and see that then we'll see how it goes because the CCD is always something that we are looking at to see how it will evolve over the years. And sometimes it might take us in a completely different direction than what we thought. But at least these thoughts that I just mentioned and these reasoning we have and I just mentioned is those that are valid right now and just what seems to make sense in terms of the market and the community in general. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, I think. And I see something here that should kind of bring David to foaming at his mouth because it says something about the grading process. So. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. Yes. <laughs> and this is some of the things I was really personally excited about being able to is provide the exam results much, much faster than we were currently doing. Those, especially Daniel, you know, you have to wait those 10 to 12 weeks every time you take the exam to figure out if you pass or whether you fail the exam. And, you know, sometimes people may even have forgotten they took the exam and then, oh, well, yeah, that's right. There's a result coming in like three months after. That's torturous. I felt that. I can imagine David's pain. Now. Yeah. Four times and all of them was waiting three months till I was getting the results. I, I wouldn't have fingers in, in the 12th week. I remember <laughs> asking you like a week after you took it, how'd it go? And you're like, I don't know yet. I, didn't, I hadn't understood yet that it took so long. So, yeah. I feel your pain. Daniel and myself were fortunate enough that when we took the exam, we got the result immediately. So we didn't have to wait. But then there were some changes that we, that was made that was to protect the exam integrity. So we had to reverting back to that old, more rigorous grading process that occurs, that which takes, unfortunately, at least 10 to 12 weeks. But go back to what we're doing for version three is since we now have 
things in the same lab delivery system that is used for the CSA lab exams, we will now have the ability to grade the exam much, much faster. What does that mean in general? It means we aim to provide all results within 48 hours after you take the exam, after you kind of click finish on the exam. Oh God, I want to take it already. <laughs> we, we want to make it available in 48 hours and you'll see it in the CCIE slash CCD tracker, just like when you do with your CCIE lab exams. Of course, we kind of guarantee there's going to be exactly 48 hours every time. There might be cases where we have to do some things, have to verify things a little more tidily, a little more into detail, but that is our goal. We provide the results within 48 hours. And that brings, also brings another thing that you, one thing you have to consider if you have taken the current CCD version two, you have scheduled it via Pearson View scheduler. Starting with version three, you will go to the CCIE slash CCD tracker, which is also the one you use for scheduling your CCIE exams, lab exams, that is. So you'll find it. So once you have your past the CCD written, the design or the CCD tracker will become available as something you can schedule within that CCD tracker. And that'll be at the same testing center locations that we currently offer the CCIE? Yes, all of them are going to be offering the CCDE as well. Mobile Labs is not at launch when we go live in November, but we definitely are planning to extend it to Mobile Labs as well as soon as we can. In addition to the current CCIE Mobile Labs program offered by Cisco, we have also recently announced a pilot program for BYOD Mobile Labs. This exciting new offering will allow Cisco to offer additional expert-level practical exam seats for candidates using their own equipment based on guidelines provided by the CCIE exam team. For more information on this exciting opportunity, please visit the Cisco Learning Network and do a search for CCIE BYOD Mobile Labs. But there's no date set for that yet, but it is on the radar and as a roadmap is to add it to mobile lab events. For those who know you can usually take your CCD lab exams at Cisco Live US, maybe you can take your CCD practical exam at Cisco Live US as well. Time will tell. Now we just want to get the exam out there and get some practical experience with how does it work? Does everything play nice together, all the systems and the grading and all that stuff before adding it to mobile labs? And one thing to note is also we are going to add more dates. Roughly, we're going to offer the exam approximately every two months. Today, it's three to four year times per year, roughly. But with this, we're going to offer it at approximately every two months. So six times a year is the target. And we have the flexibility, since this is in-house, we might have the flexibility to add additional dates if demand required, we do so. But that is something we'll take, we'll monitor the intake and we'll monitor the amount of available seats and how closely booked they are. So we'll get some experience over the next, you know, probably six months or so as we have first few administration of the exam. We will definitely know, should we add more data or how does it work? We are learning on that part as well. And David is still jumping. David, sit down. Uh, you already got me. Just take my soul, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to go, you know, shut up and take my yeah, money. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can torture yourself multiple times throughout the year now, David. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, there's more options to do it. The grading part is definitely one of the big improvements. And I can say that it was one of the big wishes, not only from my side, but also from the business side, is to have those speedier grading results and exam results. It doesn't help a lot on people's desire to take the exam, knowing they have to be in torture for 12 weeks before they know whether they passed or failed. Right. No, definitely. Thank you, Mark, for all of that. That's great. And so talking about the exam itself, about each scenario in the exam will be a maximum of 120 minutes and it'll be forced progression to the next scenario. You want to just kind of talk about that a touch? 
Sure. For those who've taken the exam in the current version, knows that it's built into two blocks. There's a morning session and an afternoon session. Those are each four hours in length, and you'll be presented with two scenarios in each of these blocks. Today, there's no restriction on you taking and saying, okay, I use two and a half hours for this first scenario and only one hour and 20, 30 minutes for the second scenario. So whatever you do, you just have to do it within those four hours. What we're doing here is restricting you. So have a maximum of two hours to finish the scenario. So if you do not finish the scenario within two hours, those questions that you have not yet answered will kind of just go away. You will not even be seeing them. You'll be forced to move on to the next scenario. By this happening, it doesn't mean you'll automatically fail the exam because it will still be how good you perform on the exam that will decide whether you pass or fail. But you will only have two hours to finish the scenario and you cannot carry over any time. So if you have only spent 90 minutes on one scenario and you move on to the second scenario, you won't have two and a half hours for that scenario. You'll just finish one half an hour early in the day. You're thinking of it like in the current version, which you have the morning and the afternoon, and then you can just play with your four hours between one scenario and the other. So it's going to be two hours, four times, and that's it. Yes. But of course, this is something that is also one of the big things that we're closely being very detailed and looking very much at is ensuring that any well-prepared candidate should, of course, be able to finish it within those two hours. The goal of these scenarios is to be able to finish them at time. So you don't have to worry about it if you're well-prepared, but you might be weak in some areas. You didn't prepare well enough, whether it's a technology or you didn't prepare well enough for the security aspects. Well, then you might need more time to find the answer and to come up with the answer for that specific scenario. But you don't have the luxury here. So that is also something that is made a little bit more difficult to pass the exam is that you only have two hours in total for each of the scenarios. Daniel, how would that adjust your preparation approach for this, given your previous experience? Probably not that much. I would say for the exam that I was sitting, I felt that maybe one scenario was like slightly more difficult than the other. So, I mean, in that case, it was kind of nice to maybe get 10 minutes extra on the second scenario. But it's also, you know, kind of easy to get stuck in this mindset that can easily happen where, you know, I just need one more clue, one more clue, and, you know, I'm going to find the answer. And, you know, and before you know it, you like maybe spent 30 minutes extra and then you have have to rush the second scenario, which means that overall you probably perform worse than if you spent the same amount of time on each scenario. So for me, I'm pretty okay with that change. So I think it's a little bold exactly because you either then have more time for one of the other scenarios, well, because you felt that one of them was easier or you just got stuck and now you have to, <laughs> now you have to step on the gas just to solve the second one. So I think that at least fixing it to two hours each with no passing over of time is going to be at least a predictable output. And people would understand that you have two hours and no way to play with it. So just stay with your two hour slot four times and deal with it. I think at least gives you a predictable experience because then you could say one scenario was too difficult and I couldn't hit the other because I didn't have enough time. At this rate, it is also fair to assume that all these scenarios would have an, a similar level of complexity with regards to the core area, at least to give some example, right? 
it's also worth highlighting that my passing experience, you know, I was hitting the finish button to do the grading and, you know, I was like 99% certain I had failed the exam. So, I mean, it's a tough exam. You're going to feel a bit roughed up even if you end up passing the exam. Don't give up on a scenario just because you think you're doing poorly because maybe you are picking a lot more correct answers than you realize. So even if it's now a fixed 120 minutes, so use that time wisely and just do each scenario to the best of your ability, even if you feel that one scenario went a little worse than you had expected or anything like that. So it's a mental challenge, <laughs> mental marathon. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is definitely where the human brain can have an impact as well. Sometimes when you have a given scenario, you might not you know, click with it, you might not connect with it. And you feel like, I really don't know, I'm not sure about this. Whereas other scenarios, you will be like, oh man, this is just perfect. I know everything about this. And even though it essentially could be the same scenario to some extent, it all comes down to how it is written and how it is presented and how you perceive it. The thing is try to connect with the scenario is always a good thing. But if you can't, and you feel like you're a bit disconnected from it, just do the best of your ability as well, as Daniel just said. Try to give your best answers because I can promise that all the information that is required to answer any given question is going to be in there somewhere. Whether that is something in the initial set of documentation you're giving or something you've been giving along down the road and into one of the exhibits that you will receive during the exam, that depends on the scenario, but the information will be there somewhere. There will be a requirement or a node or something else that will tell you or guide you, okay, this is the correct answer, or at least this could be a potential answer. Because all we got to remember that in design, there might not be one specific answer. There might be two different ways to make things work or multiple ways to get the same things to work. There's one that's always going to be the optimal solution, which may give you more points than the suboptimal solution. Even though you don't think it's perfect, it could be that you're just selecting a suboptimal solution. So you still get some credit for whatever that question was about. That's worth highlighting because like in a traditional written exam, if they're looking for one answer, there will be like three incorrect and one correct. Here, if you have four options, one of them might be the best. One might be suboptimal, but still somewhat valid and two might be incorrect. And then at least you get some partial credit. Even if you're not sure, then try to see what answers are not making any sense at all and see if you can kind of move them to the side and then at least pick from those that you think are sensible answers to the question. And Thank you guys for all of that incredible perspective on network design, CCDE, past experiences, where we're going with the CCDE next, and you know, currently where we're headed. Before we wrap, we'd be remiss to not also mention the CCDE written. Anything changing in regards to the written exam, or is it all focused on the practical exam? The CCD written will not, in the format or in the way you see it, is not going to change much. It's still going to be a two-hour exam with 90 to 110 questions. That's not going to change. Of course, the content will change a bit to align it with the new blueprint, but there's nothing much that we are changing with regards to the CCD written itself. It gets a new exam code to reflect the update to version three as well. So if you're looking to schedule your exam, you will have to search for a new exam code. It's going to be called 400-007 going forward. The written is still going to be the gatekeeper for being able to schedule the practical exam. So that means before you can even be able to schedule the exam, you must pass the written. And the written is valid for three years. So that means that from the day you pass your CCD written, you have three years to pass your CCD practical exam. We no longer have that 
18 month rule that says you have to make your first attempt within 18 months. We got rid of that. So it is essentially three years validity period, no further restrictions, book it within that three years. Of course, you will also be able to use your CCD v2.1 as it's formally called. The current CCD written will also be valid for scheduling the CCD version three practical exam provided that you are within the validity period of your CCD written exams. Another thing that is worth mentioning about the CCD written is that it will continue to be the only one activity, a one-stop action that will allow you to recertify all your expert level certification as well as any of the lower level ones. For some reason, I have no interest in using the continuing education program. You can actually take and pass the CCD written exam, use it just as a recertification exam. It's not required that you take the practical exam, of course, we want you to do it. And I want you to take the practical exam because it is an awesome exam. But if you just want to recertify, you can actually take the CCD written by itself. That will recertify you in the same way that meeting the requirements for the continuing education program. The only thing is you don't have to submit things yourself. It will automatically just go in as a past exam. That's fantastic. I think that definitely have a good understanding of what's coming up with the CCD and the version three. We could do an entire whole, at least one more episode on just preparing for the exam, studying and preparation. We might snag you guys, get you guys back together to talk about that again on the horizon. But parting words of wisdom, whether it be how to stay sane through through taking the exam or, you know, how to stay sane through studying and preparing for the exam or just one nugget that you could give to people about the CCDE process, preparation process, and or just kind of the network design practice as well. It's been pretty clear that we all had a great learning experience and also actually enjoyed taking the exam. I would definitely recommend that you check out all of the material that's available there. Mark and his team did a great job of providing the learning matrix and so on. And if you have any follow-up questions, I mean, you can find us at the learning at Cisco site or on Twitter or pretty much anywhere else on the internet. So feel free to reach out if you're interested in the DE program. Yeah, I know that you're all extremely responsive on both the Cisco Learning Network and on social media as well. If you get to make it to a Cisco Live, you can look for the flying cape. Oh, I give the hugs and the chocolate. And just to give my perspective, I wouldn't be saying the same things as Daniel did. Well, I totally agree. The learning matrix is one of the best things, honestly, I got. <laughs> it had all these nuggets and things you would have to go through. And we have some classical books that you would always refer to. Just to add some things on top. I think one of the key things about D is that you would have to be constant. You would have to have a discipline. You would have to be prepared to be wrong. You need to have an open mind. And you need to welcome all sorts of ideas and opinions. And it's all about being a sponge. As much as you can absorb rather than what you can release, you will get from the D much more than you get into it. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And Mark, how about yourself in one sentence or two sentences or less? Parting words of wisdom or tips for folks? Take it easy. Don't rush to reading things because the reading you're doing and doing the exam will give you the clues as to what you need to answer. And be open-minded and don't have any preconceived ideas about how things are going to be. Look into the scenario, figure out what the scenario is trying to achieve, and then use and follow that throughout the entire scenario. And don't panic. Don't panic. That is silly things to do. That's it for our two-part discussion about the CCDE certification exam. 
If you'd like to learn more about the new CCDE certification, please visit the Cisco Learning Network at www.ciscolearningnetwork.com. There, as we stated before, you can find the CCDE certification page from the Certifications drop-down category. This page will give you everything you need to know and all the resources you need to prepare for this exam. And be sure to subscribe to the Cisco Learning Network podcast so you'll be notified when any future updates have been made to the CCDE and any other certifications. Thanks for listening. Thank you.